Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. I would ask you to uh, uh, turn with me to Psalm 74, verse 15. Uh, this is uh, <clears throat> verse 15, 16, 17 is, is what Aaron has been preaching uh, for the summer vibes in, uh, in the summer. And uh, I want to uh, uh, reiterate that at this point in time. Psalm 74, 15 says, You caused the springs in the streams to gush forth. And you dried up the rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth. And you made both summer and winter. Amen. And then we're talking about vacations and memories today. Uh, I want, to, want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy 34. We're going to read that chapter. It's, it's a very short chapter. And uh, want to talk about Moses and Joshua, and uh, and uh, I, I think that we'll be able to garnish something from God's word here. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and, and climbed uh, Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan. All the land of uh, Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zorar. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give you to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. <clears throat> Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There's never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miracles, signs, and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and his servants in his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. You know what? We may be a point in our lives, and I think that we might just about be there, some of us, a little bit more than others, where we know we're never fully going to realize our dreams. But we can find fulfillment if we can identify and encourage others to embody our values, or if we can mentor somebody, that's going to make a difference. And, and it's so important. Now, I want to start off with a movie, and uh, 
I'm not saying it's, I'm not telling you to go out and rent this movie. Because it uh, had a little couple risque places in it. But many years ago, a rather childish and tasteless movie, I'll put it like that. Uh, nevertheless, one good for escape purposes made its rounds. The movie was called National Lampoon's Vacation. Anybody see that one? <coughs> Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, a batch of kids, fleeting glimpses of seductive models, a monster station wagon that developed a variety of mechanical diseases as the family struck out across the country to visit a theme park in California. From Chicago to California by the way of Arizona and a whole lot of unscheduled points in between, including the desert, a rainstorm, depositing uh, an ant who became a corpse on somebody's doorstep, and the uh, fact is, I believe there was a dog that took a little bit of a run behind the station wagon. Yeah, you, you've seen the movie. Although mom and the kids were weary and worn and would just as soon have given up the whole tiresome project, dad was insistent. He was always upbeat. We're going to go see Wally World. Don't you kids want to see Wally World? This is going to be great. Pay no attention to the fact that our car will barely run. We want to see Wally World, don't we? Don't worry about our money being gone. We left home without the credit card, but we'll beg, borrow, or steal. We want to go see Wally World. All but towards the end of the movie, as they finally get to California, having steamed through many dangers, toils, snares, they drive up to Wally World and are amazed that the parking lot is empty. How could it be there's no one around at one of the country's most popular amusement parks? And Chevy Chase and his movie family with tons, tongues hanging out, wallets depleted, with spirits dragging, roll up to the gate and read a sign, closed for renovation. A thousand miles of wandering, closed for renovation. Weeks of stress, strain, expense, exhaustion, closed for renovation. You know what? I kind of imagine... Moses felt a little bit like that when he arrived at the banks of the Jordan. For 40 years, that's a whole generation, he led the nation through the wilderness. They suffered hunger. They suffered the heat, thirst, conflict, deaths, debates. But all along the way, they were kept going by one thing. Their leader kept hammering away, we're going to make it to the promised land. We're going to make it to the promised land. And when they had decided they would really rather go back to Egypt into slavery than to face the starvation and the desert, uh, it had been Moses who urged them on. Don't you want to see the promised land? Let's go to the promised land. This is what Moses said. He said, we're going to make it. We're going to go to the promised land. And they got caught up with the local people along the way, and they become enamored with some other gods, and uh, they cast their looks on the local ladies. Again, it was Moses that spurred them on with visions and promises. There's a land out there that God's going to give us. It's a land that's filled with milk and honey. We got to make it. We got to make it. Press on. Press on. Don't you want to see the promised land where all there's going to be is peace? And now they finally come to this deep river, the Jordan River. They're finally there, and they can look across the river. And what do they see? They see the promised land. Amen. 
and uh, so they finally come to the Jordan's stormy banks, and, uh, and they're about to realize all of Moses' dreams, but it's closed for renovation, or at least it's closed to Moses because Moses isn't allowed to enter. The Lord promised him the land to the people, but it will be under a new leader named Joshua because Moses, along the way, violated the command of God. He violated his vision, so he cannot realize the fulfillment. You know what? Wally World was closed for renovation, and Chevy Chase, after a long trek across the country, there was nothing there. It was closed. The promised land is closed to Moses after wandering, wandering across the Sinai, after going through the Transjordan, and many of us, visions will never quite make it to reality. There are dreams that will never quite be concrete. There are hopes that will never actually be fulfilled. You know what? A man wants to, busy to build a business. He wants to prosper. He wants to make it. He wants to finally see this money come in into his business. Then he has a heart attack, and he can't go on with that business. He can't finish it. A woman realizes a dream, and she's a scientist, and she's working and working and working towards a cure of something, and she finally feels like I'm almost there, and the government says, no more funding for you, and it's over. It's over for her. A parent scripts and saves, and they do a lot of things. Maybe not take a vacation so they can put more money back for college for that student for that child of theirs, for that one that's promising, for that one that's doing so well in school. And then they tell them at the end, I don't think I want to go to college. I think I want to go to Europe and find myself. Amen. But you can give me the money that you was going to send me to college. I'll go over to Europe and uh, I will find myself. And... Uh, so they end up going to Timbuktu or somewhere to contemplate life. A whole lot of us are Moseses who had visions and nurtured dreams, and we get a rude awakening someday. It may not be quite as dramatic as what I pictured here. It may be waking up in one morning and realizing that you're no longer in your 20s. You're no longer sitting by the falls in that fast-moving stream with your two boys, and you're about 28, 29 years old. You're not there anymore. Amen. Did you notice? Yeah, I'm not there. You know what? Uh, back in those days, you was bright-eyed, you was bushy-tailed, you could do anything, and uh, you can endure almost anything, and uh, you thought of all the different things that you're going to do. You know what? Someday that might even happen to me. I'm the kind of person, and my wife will tell you, who never got quite out of his 20s. I'm still living back there sometimes. Not to mention leaving behind the 30s. But you know what? I found my birth certificate the other day, and it says that I was born in 1949. Amen. I'm not 20. I just realized that. And it has to be a misprint. Somebody made a mistake somewhere along the line. Some of us just wake up and realize we're getting on in years and that the dreams 
may not be completed. But if we're half as fortunate as Moses was, standing at the shoreline of the Jordan, our dreams and realize that somebody's going to live them out may be us today. Amen. You know what? I may not be able to see everything that I thought I was going to see. I may not be able to do the things that I thought that I would be able to do. But you know what? There's one thing that I can do. I can stand upon the Word of God. I can stand upon the Word of God and realize, you know what? Life hasn't left me behind. I'm still going on. Amen. Amen. And I want to tell you something. Uh, You know what? Uh, I may have laid hands on Aaron and anointed him, and he's the senior pastor here at this church. It's no longer me. I'm the founding pastor. But there's something about the anointing. There's something about that that hits you that will never leave you. Amen. I remember my dad, and, and, and Nick, I don't know if he was in the church at the time, the last time that he preached. Uh, he preached at our little church uh, that we had down on 4th and Plum before we built this. And uh, he preached on a Sunday, and he was dead by the end of the week. But I'll tell you what, he was just as powerful. He had that anointing. He, I could feel it. It, it said, Even thinking about it today, it sends shivers down my spine. He was 82 years old. He got up, and he preached, and you could feel it, and you knew it, and the people responded to it. Amen. He never lost it. But yet he hadn't pastored for years, for years. But you see, one of the first things you have to have is a worthy dream. One of the most significant issues, whether you have a dream, is worth holding on to. For Moses, it was a dream of building God's nation. It was a dream of lodging God's people in a land where they could flourish and be a witness to all the world. It was a vision uh, uh, that of holy and spatial people who the world would then say, has there ever been a nation whose God was so great as this nation? That's, that was his vision. Amen. I don't know what you're here for. I don't know if you're just here, well, I, you know, uh, I want to make it. Just me. I want to make it. Amen. That's not a vision. Come on. We're going to talk a little bit about it. And uh, I submit to you, we need to have a dream. You see, sometimes the things we give ourselves to are just not worth it. Dreams, we dreams of of self-serving, not of service. You dream of only feathering your own nest. No wonder you feel disappointed and cheated if it doesn't happen. Come on. Uh, But I'll tell you, if you see things that are and ask why, if you dream of things that never were and ask why not, come on. And then some of you may remember back in 1968, some of you are old like me, and back in 1968, and I, I think about this, when a dreamer, Martin Luther King, Jr., both electrified and yet also made a a somber Memphis audience. He said that he, of course, wanted to live. But even if he did not, he cried out that he had been to the mountain. 
and that he'd seen what God would do for his people. It would be all right, it would be all right if his life were to end. We didn't know that night that indeed the life would be snuffed out, but as tragic as that was, I don't want you to weep for King, for at least he died with his dream intact with a worthy dream, a kingdom dream, a selfless vision. It was all right if a dream couldn't be lived on. It was worth just to lead the vision. And uh, I want you to know it's worth just to lead through the wilderness to get that far. Get yourself a significant dream to a worthy vision. And if you have a dream that you can pass on to someone else, like a Joshua. Amen. Like a Joshua. That's so important. Amen. You know what? My dream has always been to see my family serving God. Isn't that what a lot of us, how many of you have that dream? You want to see your whole family. Amen. And I am so fortunate. I am so blessed. Every one of my children are in this church. And if they weren't on vacation, I would see every one of them today. Amen. But there's one, two, three. Three of them's out, out and about. But last week they were all here, and I got to see them all. And I see my grandkids. Amen. How many grandfathers, how many fathers get to live that vision, get to live that dream? Amen. And my prayer would be, I had an altar, and I had their pictures on the altar. And they weren't all in church. They weren't in church, but I prayed for them, and I prayed for them, and I prayed for them. And I said, God, this is what I want. Amen. And then God put a vision and put a a thing in my heart. God, I want to have a church for people that are hurting, for people that have been abused. For people that maybe religion has slapped them around a little bit, I want to have a church for them. I want to open up my door so they can come and feel the freedom and feel the love. Amen. That was a dream of mine. And you know what? I get to come here every week and see that. Amen. And it means so, so much to me. And so even if I'm standing at the promised land and I can't quite make it, amen, there's a Joshua. And... uh, God told him, told Moses, prepare Joshua, train Joshua to take over for you. And the scripture says that Joshua is full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. Amen. And, you know, I think back on my life. And, and, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I told you when I was born in 1949, you do the math. But uh, I was going to tell you how old I am, but you can figure it out. And, uh. I, I I used to teach at Edison State, and I was a director of uh, a juvenile facility for eight counties. And uh, when I did that, there was a young man out of college that came, got a job, and there was something about him that I liked him. And I, I could tell that he was really really into it and wanted to be something and wanted to do something, and he wanted to make that his career. He, that wasn't a stepping stone. A lot of them use it as a stepping stone. And so I made him a supervisor, 
made him assistant director. And uh, he now, when I retired, I told the judge, don't even look for anybody else. He's the one that needs to be the director. And when I was teaching at Edison for 12, 14 years, uh, once in a while I'd go on vacation, I'd be gone. And I would pull him in to take over for me that day that I wouldn't be there. And he ended up getting that job as well. And uh, so, you know, you try to pull people along. And just like this young man that lived in my home from the time he was in the fifth grade till he graduated from high school, and he came to know the Lord in my home. And uh, we would have Bible studies. We would have prayer meetings, and we would do these different things. And uh, I would like to think that I had the influence on him. He went out and evangelized like at 20 years old. And uh, now he's pastoring a church. And there's others that had left. And, and, and uh, I raised my sons up uh, to follow in the ministry. And uh, I'm glad to say that, that they have done that. Amen. And so I ask you today, who is your Joshua? You know, my dad, he was a pastor, and I was one of 12 ministers in his church that pastored. He had 12 men that left his church and pastored other churches. And you know what he, What my dad's biggest claim to fame was? He said, every one of those 12 can preach better than me. He said, I'm so proud. And, and I mean, this wasn't just something he said. This was something he meant. He said, they're better preachers than me. They're, they're better teachers than I am. And he said, Few of them have bigger churches than what I have. And he said, that just makes you feel so good. Amen. And so if you have children, are we intentionally sharing our values? Are we intentionally trying to get them, uh, let that Christian faith, sometimes it, uh, Christian faith is more caught than taught. You know what I'm saying? They just happen to come and feel something and catch it i got to hurry up here. Amen. I thought maybe Micah was giving me a, a look, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he is. But I, I rather believe the only way most of us can finish the course of our life is to feel that we made a difference is to be able to point to others that we've influenced. And, uh, you know, I, I think of Micah. I really do. He intentionally goes out and makes a difference. And a lot of times we're sitting back waiting. Well, I want to wait until things are just perfect, just right, and then I'll do that. And sometimes that day never comes. Amen. Joshua says the scripture, he was full of wisdom and ready to enter Canaan because of Moses. He was able to cross over and finish Moses' dream. He laid hands on him. Who's your Joshua today? Your own child, your grandchild, a Sunday school class? A neighbor, a friend, a relative? Is the Lord guiding you uh, 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 someplace where you can share, uh, where you can intentionally all the heritage of faith and knowledge, you know? Uh, you see, it's often said that a Christian church is just one generation from extinction, one generation from disappearing. And somebody says, I've never heard that. You know what? I was at the Y a couple months back. And uh, I went into the steam room at the Y, and there was a guy in there, and he introduced himself to me. 
and uh, I'm a real kind of vocal guy, and I, I don't know anybody that's a stranger. If they're in the steam room with me, they're going to talk to me. If they're in the whirlpool, you know, I'm going to say, boy, this water feels good today, doesn't it? Where are you from? What's your name? You know, I mean, that's just me. And so I'm talking to this guy, and uh, I told him that I was a pastor, uh, told him about the church here, and told him about uh, how God's blessing, and, and, and talked to him about uh, Pastor Aaron and, uh, and everything. And, and I may have bragged on all my kids. I don't know. I usually do. And uh, so, and he told me, he said he goes to this church in West Milton, and it's a big church building. And he says, do you know that we don't even have sometimes 20 people show up on Sunday? 20 people. And he says, it'll seat 200. We have 20 people. And he says, we're dying. And he says, my wife started a daycare center there in the church, and it pays the bills. And he says, if it wasn't for the daycare, we'd have to shut our doors. And he says, do you know anybody that could come and help us? And uh, I mentioned a couple names, but uh, I don't know. But I think sometimes... We're just one generation from extinction unless we got something that's a fire inside of us. Amen. If we don't inspire by our gifts, our sacrifices, our witness, our teaching, our caring, if we don't inspire another generation, uh, a set of Joshua's, then we as the people of the kingdom will disappear or just die off. Amen. I want you to know something. I'm not done. Amen. There's still people out there that I want to inspire. There's still people out there that I want to be able to bring along. Amen. Uh, I'll tell you what. There is something about the, about the anointing. There's something about God's hand being up on you. Uh, amen. It just don't leave. And uh, I know I was talking to Aaron, and he said, uh, well, if you want to preach, tell me you want to preach. I said, well, I, I always want to preach. Amen, I do. And I, he said, well, I thought because you got elected county commissioner that uh, that was a new area that God was opening up for you. I said, that is a new area that God's opening up for me. And I can't even begin to tell you how many people I prayed for or people will come in my office at the county building and say, hey, I've got problems. Could you pray? There was a, a, a lady the other day that came in and said, uh, you know, my daughter's having an operation up in Anchorage, Alaska. And she's got all these problems. And, and uh, uh, so-and-so said that you would pray for her. And I said, I will pray for her. I said, I'll pray for her right now. And uh, I've had people in my office. I, I'm not ashamed of God. It, just because I'm an elected county commissioner don't mean that I'm not a minister. Amen. God's still using me. Amen. Uh, I, I don't think that... Uh, uh, that we have to give up on things. You know what? I, I think of, of Jesus. I really do. And uh, it's a table of memory that we remember the dreamer whose dream ended on a cross instead of with re- redeemed humanity. We remember the visionary whose kingdom of peace ended with hammer blows through his flesh. But this Moses Christ has appointed us Joshua's. And we keep alive his dream. I don't know about you. I hope you're keeping alive Jesus' dream. I hope that we keep uh, alive his vision. And God will grant us that we'll come to the table, that we'll be able to have someone else that we brought with us. Amen.
because that's what it's all about. If you go to Matthew 25, 14 through 30, I don't want you to do it now, but go home and read that. It's about, uh, this isn't just about you making it. There was a man who was going on a trip, and he gave a bag of money, amen, uh, to one. And uh, uh, in, in Matthew and Luke, I think it's coins, but in Matthew it's bags. And he gave five bags to one, one man, and he knew that he would uh, uh, take care of it. And so this man invested it, and when he came back, he had ten bags. Oh, man, you're a great guy. Another one he gave two bags to. And when he came back, this guy said, here's four bags. And he said, let's celebrate. Let's party together. You've done such a great job. And to the one that he gave one bag, he said, I knew that you was a very, very careful man. And I wanted to make sure that I kept track of your one bag of money. So I went out and buried it. Let me go dig it up. And he brought it, and he says, what did he say to him? He said, you unfaithful servant. You know, I could have put it in the bank and got interest. He says, depart from me. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ has invested in Greg Simmons. And this investment that he's made in me, it isn't just for me to grab a hold and, and hug onto it and be able to make it. I got to tell somebody else. I got to help somebody else along the way. I've got to anoint somebody. Amen. I've got to do things. Amen. Uh, you know why my children are in church? Because we influence them. Amen. That's why. You know why the grandkids are here? Because our children are influencing them. Amen. And God's doing a great work. And it isn't just my kids. It's others. Amen. That I've, that I've brought along the way. And I could name them. I could name people here right now. And I could tell you, you know, what we've done. But we invest in people, not just in ourselves. Amen. Who is your Joshua today as we stand? Who is your Joshua today? Who are you investing in? It isn't all about yourself. You know what? If you need encouraged today, I would ask you to come to this altar. We'll ask the musicians to come at this time. We'll get ready to go. And if there's anybody here that don't know the Lord, we want you to find the Lord today. We will pray with you. We'll pray that God will move you. If there's somebody here today that don't know, what am I going to do about a Joshua? We'll pray that God will send you a Joshua. Amen that you can impart into them. Amen? Anybody here to play music? Nobody? Okay, they're coming. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to come at this time, and uh, he'll be dismissing us. But if there's anybody, anybody, that wants to impart to somebody, God is telling you to do it today. Amen. Today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Greg, for that great word. Let's just turn our hearts to the Lord. Again, if there's a, if there's a need for prayer, if there's just a need for you to kind of spend some time getting closer to the Lord, we invite you to come on up.
Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the dreams that have come true. We also thank you for the dreams that we get to hand forward, that we get to pass on. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the Joshua's that we don't see. And Lord, give us purpose for the Joshua's that we do. We thank you, Lord, that we ask that your word would go deep and penetrate deep within us. We praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in us, Holy Spirit. And right now, Lord, we receive the word that you have for us in Jesus' name. We pray that, you, that everyone here would just go out and be a blessing.